trying to make sense of a mess of results at the weekend. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 284 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined back in my own living room by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome, Andres. Thank How you. How are you doing? Fine. Can't complain. Good. Glad to hear it. Uh, we also can't complain about the number of shock results that there were in the Superliga at the weekend, which played havoc with the mystical predictions. I'd need to count the scores up, but I suspect that we both did quite poorly. Um, they were as follows Belgrano 2 Patronato 2 a game in which Belgrano were 2-0 up and then two goals from Sebastian Rivas made him the outright top goal scorer of the season so far hope you're sitting down for this next one Arsenal de Sarandi 2 Lanús 1 yes you heard that correctly Colón 0 Huracán 0 Tigre 0 Tacheres 0 San Lorenzo nil, Union nil. Remember, Tacheres, San Lorenzo and Union were three of the top five going into those matches. Rosario Central 1, Godoy Cruz 2. Tempele 1, Gimnasia 1. Banfield 1, Newell's Old Boys nil. Atletico Tucumán nil, Defensa Justicia 1. River Plate 1, Chacarita Juniors 1. Racing 2, Vélez 1. San Martín nil, Independiente 4. Estudiantes de la Plata 1, Olimpo 0, and the last game of the weekend, in inverted commas, on Monday night, Argentinos Juniors 2, Boca Juniors 0 in the Clásico Junior Sense. Um, where to start with all that lot? We've had, let's see, Arsenal actually winning a match. We had Tacheres and San Lorenzo both failing to win their matches, which gave Boca a brilliant chance to open up an 11-point lead at the top of the table, which they failed to do because they lost to Argentinos, and it wasn't an unlucky loss. They were played off the pitch. Independiente have gone third, um, or rather joint third, because they're exactly level with San Lorenzo now, on points, on goals scored, and on goals conceded. And those two teams, remember, both have a game in hand against each other, um, which is coming up next month. What else did we have that was surprising? Godoy Cruz finally won a game at home for only the second time all season. Um, and it was against Rosario Central, who had won four in a row and hadn't conceded in their own stadium. Uh, sorry, had won four in a row at home and hadn't conceded in any of those games. They hadn't conceded in four and a half matches until Godoy Cruz no, opened the score. It, it wasn't, wasn't it the other way around, uh, that they lost home and won away. Now they, they, won, they, they played the, at Rosario. I hope it wasn't, because otherwise I've seriously messed up my... Um, they lost against Racing in, in Mendoza and now they won against Rosario Central in Rosario. Yes. Uh, I, but, I, no, no, but that's what I'm saying. Godoy Cruz won away. Oh, sorry. Yes. Before this, Rosario Central hadn't lost at home in four games. They'd won four in a row. Okay. One of which was against Boca and all of which involved clean sheets. Um, okay. And what else do we have? Uh, that, well, that, that te- Temple uh, scored the goal after you. you know how many minutes? Oh, that's a good question. Do you? Because I do. Go on. 
588 minutes. Good grief. Six matches and a half also, uh, almost. I I lost that uh, amongst all this sort of avalanche of other surprising things that happened at the weekend. I I know it because uh, I happened to watch uh, the match against Gymnasia, at least part of it, and if there is anything good that Sopoli has, is that they have a a video graph or, well, some like titles or headlines Mm. of each team's when they play and uh, which are inter- interesting like uh, how many matches they uh, it's that they haven't won or, or well uh, of in this case temporarily the minutes number of minutes they uh, were they, they had to uh, they, they had to to play to, to score a goal mm-hmm. and uh, it's remarkable and against gymnasia they had I, I realized why because they had incredible options to score and they couldn't uh, al- with almost bloopers or, 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 or incredible plays that didn't end goals that's yeah it, it sort of feeds a little bit into what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when they were quite impressive away to Boca um, some very nice approach play but they couldn't sort of I mean it's not as if they got any really clear cut chances against Boca of course but even when they did have some sort of a chance that they couldn't seem to get anything on target um, and you're quite right yeah they've um they're not the most clinical finishers in the yes. world. Emiliano Osuna. Yes, he was not the reggaeton singer. I was just about to say. Yeah. A reggaeton singer I've actually uh, have heard of, and uh, he's been quite heavily advertised around the football pitches, but it's not yes. him uh, who scored the goal for Temple after coming on as a second-half substitute. Um, but, yeah, did you catch much of the rest of that game, Andres? Yes, and as I said, uh, it was Temple perhaps having the most uh, uh, willing to... He, they were perhaps more willing to win because of this uh, lack of goals and the gymnasia well uh, uh, they, they took advantage of that temporarily perhaps not being so accurate and with not many things doing in the, in the pitch they uh, with perhaps uh, quitting a ball to, to temporarily in the, in the almost in the in the box was enough for them to build a play, a, a nice play, and and score. Mm. And after that, I think Temple was were desperate. Finally, got the equalizer at the end of the match, almost in the end. But it wasn't enough for them to to grab the win, which will will have been deserved. But well, uh, it's like the how we say here, not well, not having luck. Uh, we say it here in in another uh, way, like no no ligar. And I think that Temple is suffering that. Yeah. Um, just looking down the stats of the game, which I didn't see, there, there are sort of. They point towards Temple having been on top for most of the match, let's say. They, they eventually got this equaliser, by the way, through Osuna in the, uh, with, in the 88th minute. Um, but, you know, 17 shots against 9 for Himnasia, just over 50% of the possession for Temple, um, slightly more offsides. Comfortably more more passes, both uh, successful and unsuccessful. Um, and yeah, then there's one that just looks as if there's been a typo on the stat, which is the corners. But Gimnasia had nine nine uh, shots, but it were, they were mostly uh, shots from long distance, like mm. like shots from from Brian Aleman, the Uruguayan, which is a good yeah. shooter. And uh, and probably were perhaps uh, taking too many crosses and balls from long balls and. Which are the things that they can do? They are, they are. Th- those are the, 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 
that is the play that they can they can do and and pressing high and 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 with via uh, crosses they they complicate the gimnasia but as I said poor in table to 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 score at least two to to win yeah and uh, as I was saying the, the the corner stat almost looks as if somebody in the in the data factory office has hit the wrong button when counting them up because it's twelve one to uh, Tempere which I mean one corner. All game is, is a remarkably low count yes. for anybody to, to win on Vimnasi, even away from home. Um, anyway, so that was uh, turned out to be a slightly surprising choice of the first game that we would discuss. Um, let's make the second one. I think, well, I mean, the, the big story was, was Boca losing, I suspect. And really to cover that, we first of all need to talk about Tacheres, um, who were away to Tigre, and San Lorenzo versus Union, both of which ended nil-nil. Um, did you catch Tigre Tacheres? Not very much. Eh? Yeah. Mostly the, the, the video that the Superliga uh, uploads after In, the match. Infuriatingly, uh, those two games were played at the same time. Um, which So I, all I managed to do was have Tigre Tacheres on a very unreliable um, stream, in spite of the fact that I'm paying for it. DirecTV kept logging me out of my own account, so it kept oh. freezing, and I had to log back in again and watch another 20 minutes of it, and then it logged me out again. Um, so I had San Lorenzo versus Union on the um, television, and that was the one that I ended up paying more attention to. It was also third versus fifth, whereas Tigre was uh, sort of 19th against second or something. Um, so it was a slightly more interesting game. and Or at least it, it sort of it looked like it should have been the slightly more interesting game before the match. And as it was, really nothing very much really? happened. It, it was pretty dull. Um, San Lorenzo has been suffering this since, well... Uh, Three or four matches that yeah. they, they perhaps if they won, they won, they weren't, uh, uh, they didn't have the, well, not deserve of course, but uh, the uh, play to to say well, we, I will, we will fight the for the title or we will try to get as closer to Boca as, as we can, as well, uh, sooner or later, you if you don't uh, play, uh, play well, you will end up or losing or or, or drawing. And now they are third. They they could reach Tacheres if they win against Independiente. For that match, it's still one month to go. But well, they have that that match pending. Mm. Uh, anyway, yes, they are now third. Which uh, some time ago they were three, four, five points behind from Boca, and they were the clear uh, second in, yeah. in the positions. And they're now I think eleven points behind Boca. Um, because they're three behind Tacheres, if I remember rightly. Let's have a quick look at the positions. Where are we? Uh, so, yeah, they're 11 behind Boca. Um, and it, it was just a bit of a weird game. I seem to remember Union having a chance or two um, at some point. I think Soldano, possibly, yes. had a decent chance to, to, to grab what presumably would have been the only goal from the way the rest of the match went. Um, but the other thing was that Ruben Botta, we mentioned last week when San Lorenzo were missing him, I think, for the previous weekend, right? He was suspended. Um, they have relied on him a little bit in recent matches. And this game against Union, he was back in the team. Um, and he wasn't very good either. It's sort of, no one is really functioning, apart from the defenders who had decent enough games. Belucci had some, some uh, good possibilities to, to do what he best does, which is uh, shots to shoot on goal and they were not on goal they mm. were shots that were wide he's been doing that a lot in recent games as yes. well 
Um, I, I think he's, he's really he seems to have stopped looking for the strikers ever, and he, he's, he's turning in. I think I said a couple of weeks ago he was according turning to, to Frank Lampard. But. According to Mariano, one we usually mention because he's uh, well not right now usual member from of Kandopod that he uh, tweets about the team, and he said that Bellucci is playing like he like knowing that he won't be uh, substitute mm. that he won't be replaced. And that is, of course, bad for him because he's not uh, demanding uh, himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was replaced, in fact, on Saturday, but only with four minutes to go. Yes. Um, in spite of the fact that he was shooting every time he got the ball within sight of goal uh, for most of the match, which um, I can only imagine how infuriated San Lorenzo fans must be. And yeah, Tacheres couldn't do the business either away to Tigre um, in a game which, oh, that's not decided to... Hmm. I really like it when this website does this. Sometimes it opens the statistics thing in a new window, and sometimes it does it in the tab you're actually in, so you just end up losing all of the things and I have to navigate back afterwards. Anyway, in a game in which I got the impression that not very much was happening from, as I say, mostly really following it on Twitter while the other game was happening because my stream kept cutting out, Sebastian Prediger was sent off uh, right on the stroke of half-time for his second bookable offence for Tigre, which meant that Tashiris were playing ten men for the whole of the second half and they still couldn't find a way through um, and I think those stats give us a fair idea of, of why four shots on target three off well Tigre had three on target and one off target um, it, it doesn't paint a fantastic picture of a really entertaining match does it? Yes and yes I, I, think, I think I told you uh, before we started recording um, of course that is big news Vocal losing, even when with an alternative team, um, but uh, Tacheres, San Lorenzo, the ones you mentioned, that well, uh, most of them uh, ended uh, with uh, nil-nil draws, mean that they are still eight points ahead of Tacheres, not even San Lorenzo or Racing, which is a team that is uh, uh, with a perhaps great uh, performance since since Caudet is in the bench, but it's not enough as. Uh, eight points ahead of Tashes for me means that, like we said that the, the, in, in the previous episode, that mostly the, the tournament is or the Superliga is decided. Although, or or, or uh, unless uh, Guillermo Barcelota starts to put the same team that played against Argentinos, so usually that they start being less rea- reliable. But anyway, for example, Tashes should, should win nine, uh, three matches in a row and Boca losing them. Mm. which at this point it looks very very strange it does yeah um, although perhaps not if Boca as you say are going to play the way they did against Tacher, uh, against Argentinos and with similar lineups because what we saw in Risha General Mitre if we're being populist then we would say in, in La Paternal but that's not mm. actually where Argentinos Stadium is um, as, as people who know what a pedant I am for correct barrio borders will be aware um, if they, if anyway, perhaps, as, as sorry, that much demonstrated, perhaps it's, it's if uh, the Argentinos juniors, the Argentinos, the Argentines that are supporters of Argentinos, uh, if they listen to you, they start saying we are the bichos, the bichos real meter. It's uh, a bit uh, more difficult to sing, yeah. Until today, right. they say that they are, they are the bichos, Colorados de la Paternal. Yeah, which which does scan a little better. Um, but uh, as, I, as I hinted earlier, uh, when I was rounding up the results overall, it, it was a thoroughly deserved win for Argentinos overall. Um, they grabbed a very early goal 
through Alexis McAllister, who is the son of a former Boca um, icon, maybe not legend, but certainly a very popular player for Boca, former Argentina left-back as well, and current Argentine... um, I can never remember the exact way that you translate it into English, but basically the Argentine sports minister. Yes, um, secretary, really, not minister. Yes, yes. thank you, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was, sorry, but he was most, more, of course, his most uh, highlights, the highlights in his career were at Boca, but he started his career at Argentinos, that's why three, uh, all of his, of, of his son, Uh, three of them are, are playing there in Argentinos. He was also joined, uh, Alexis, I should say, um, was joined on the pitch by Kevin McAllister, uh, his brother, who was playing at um, left-back for Argentinos. And then later on, Francis, their brother, um, came off the bench. So they were all on the pitch at the same time. And the television commentators just referred to all of them as McAllister. They didn't give us any first names, which was a bit annoying. Um, but yeah, Argentinos got that early lead nine minutes in through Alexis, who, who stabbed home from close range. Um, and then they continued to take the game to Boca throughout the first half, really. We, we've been talking a few times in recent weeks about this, the early sort of storm that teams have to weather when they're playing Boca, because Boca come flying out of the blocks and have scored. Um, I think I mentioned last week that they had, was it nine goals so far in 2018, and five of them have come before the 15th minute of the game. Um And the teams had to work out a way to get around that. Well, Argentinos worked out a way of getting around it, which was to do exactly that to Boca um, and put them on the back foot. And then they kept their, their throat right down on Boca's necks all the way through the game, really. Damian Batashini finished off a fantastic team move. Yes, uh, uh, like someone said, uh, it was more a, a, a futsal, perhaps, goal. Mm. Or, or the ones you play with friends, like uh, we say here, well, a five-man football in, yeah. in a short, in a a small pitch uh, because it was really hard to do it and they could it was it was lovely um, yes. that was 20 minutes into the second half um, and then Boca had a bit of a sort of flurry um, with about maybe 10 or 15 minutes to go but ultimately you know Argentinos could have scored more as well um, yes. Boca did not look at the races at all Santiago Bergini um, is as I mentioned a week or two ago not the most reliable centre back in Boca's squad Agustina Redia, who was put alongside him for this game at centre back and left centre back, is a young kid. I'm sure he'll get much better. In this game, uh, he looked out of his depth. Um, and then going forward, I mean, what you, uh, you were saying, in fact, uh, I'll let you say something, Andres, because you were saying before we started recording that you weren't a big fan of the midfield without Barrios. Yes. Yes, that, that is not the same for Hernandez without Barrios. And uh, apart from that, well, Avila is not Tevez, um, who uh, he a lot of times said that he's not a, a classic striker, number nine striker, but he proved with Avila uh, being there and Tevez not being there that uh, uh, even when he doesn't like to do it, he at this point is is the number nine. And uh, along with uh, Heredia and Marcini were Buffarini and Mas, who which made a completely different defense uh, with Buffarini and Mas not playing uh, very well as as I understand that it was perhaps because of the lack of rhythm that as they are not playing uh, very very usually and with two players that like Heredia and, and Virginia, the ones you mentioned that 
perhaps hand played together very much and that that is something to to take into account yeah and it, it's going to be obviously this is this amount of rotation i'm just looking down the 11 now and as a whole you've got agustin rossi in goal who's the first choice you've got nathan nandes in in midfield um and Pavon. perhaps Sebastián Pérez and Cristiano Pavón and Edwin Cardona that's sort of yes. five was it players uh, who are definite who are in Boca's first first choice starting 11 um, this this rotation is obviously beginning because of the fact that the Copa Libertadores happened Boca were in, a, in action in that on Thursday night last week they drew 0-0 away to Alianza Lima which was a surprise result a very good result for Alianza Lima um, in a, a not particularly good game, if I remember rightly, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens when when the group stage really begins in earnest. Because I think I'm right in saying that Boca now don't have a game in the Libertadores until the fifth of April or something like that. The Sima um, River, I think. and then yeah, it's it's a couple of days before or after River's next one as well because they're, they're both playing in that first week of April, um, and then the next one after that is going to be in the first week of May, and then they have the last uh, English Dan was making this point on Twitter last weekend um, the last four um, group stage games for both River and Boca in the Libertadores are all played in four weeks which is slightly silly scheduling perhaps on Conmebol's part um, yes not having matches in a month and then four in, in four weeks yeah and of course this weekend and, and the weekend after might also be conditioned by midweek action for Boca because they've got the Supercopa coming up next weekend against River um, so it's going to be sorry not next weekend next Wednesday night for which reason I guess yes. we're probably not going to record on Wednesday next week um, so it, it's going to be very interesting to to see whether this dynamic now does start to affect the title race particularly when you bear in mind that Tacheres are not in any continental competition are they? they're not in the Sudamericana no, no. Um, San Lorenzo have got the Sudamericana I think but that's much less punishing than the Libertadores um, but you may not like this because you have already said a lot of times that the cups that are decided uh, uh, through only one match are not uh, reliable or well not uh, uh, not very important but the reason why Boca took care of their formation the same as River will do this Saturday because they play both Saturday mm. in because of the Supercopa yeah. is that they, they, they will Put a, 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 a away a, a, again an alternative team, the same River. Uh, so they will they will take care of the players, the main players, or the in the case of River, they are main main players because <laughs> because the the, the 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 starting lineups and the substitutes are in a very similar level, uh, with the exception of Quintero perhaps. And so they they do they give that uh, match that single match the importance you don't mm. so that's why they are uh, putting these these teams uh, River hasn't do it hasn't do it uh, but they, they will do against Patronato which I think that for me is uh, well uh, if you want to do the mystic prediction right now it's Patronato will win that match uh, and uh, Boca I think that uh, well not sorry Boca in this, in this case won't repeat the team that uh, uh, played against Argentinos because Guillermo Rosicloto wants the main players or the ones that didn't play against Argentinos to have some rhythm. Yeah. But for Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so that was that was a Monday evening, which, which saw yet another surprising result. And since we were just talking about Boca, let's let's move on to River now. Um, the one-one draw with Chacarita, which, on the one hand, when I saw the replay because I was at a, at a party with friends on Saturday afternoon, um, so I had to watch the the game replayed later on. Um, I thought that River collectively, certainly going forward, looked much better than they have done for a while particularly in the first half. But in terms of the team discipline and the shape at the back in particular, and once the game got away from them again, it was much of the same. Um, but I'm starting, just... I'm starting to be happy with these draws. Sorry, but it's it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to say it from a River supporter, but every time Chacarita crossed the midfield, it, I had the feeling that they could score. Yeah, Even with not being, being very dangerous, uh, except for one play in the second half that you don't remember, I asked you, but uh, I think Rodriguez uh, that was in the line of the goal and couldn't score it. Mm-hmm. At, it was perhaps the only great play by Chacarita um, in the second half, and uh, if they w- were, would have been, been able to score, I think that they would have won that match, because uh, River it goes, 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 but they don't find, uh, they, they can't find the the, the, the opportunity uh, to be at ease and try to s- and, 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 and score uh, like they did with the penalty. After that, they they did that silly play with their defenders, with Pinola and Saraki, I think. I think that they, they stumbled with the ball and left it to Menendez yeah. uh, clean to, to score. So, uh, it's, yes, mostly the same that we have been talking with perhaps a, a, a better uh, team attitude, but then uh, with single mistakes or, or, or big mistakes, with like the one I, I mentioned, everything that is uh, good uh, ends up with uh, like a dull taste or, or a bitter taste. Mm. And, and there's also a, a degree... You know, you can talk about the players, but again, we saw Gasharado get something wrong, um, yes. which, in my opinion, which was that when they were one nil, sorry, one one, um, midway through the second half at home to Chacarita in a game that they have to win for team morale at least, if nothing else, they withdraw Lucas Prato and Ignacio Icoco and replace them with Carlos Alski, who I had assumed wasn't going to play for River Plate again because. He was rubbish through the first half of the season, and Rafael Santos Borre, um, and it's sort of so. There's there's no change in system, and you're replacing a player in Ekoko for sorry Prato for Auski in particular, um, a player who okay has been somewhat underwhelming since signing for River, but with a player who clearly is is, is massively inferior to him. Um, and again, giving and seems, 20 or 30 minutes to Quintero. Which yeah, Quintero has, came on with, let's see, uh, with half an hour to go, yeah, yes. which, I mean, it's getting to be like a bad joke now. Why is he not starting? Well, it's the same excuse that you could uh, have for a player that has just arrived to, to a team and that the coach doesn't think that he's still with their physical form to, to resist 90 minutes. I, I think that. Well, of course, we don't see this, and perhaps he does, and that's why he doesn't. Uh, we we see him, see him fresh, playing 30 minutes with really great passes, 
uh, that uh, in some in, in in most of the of those occasions leave the, the a teammate with a clear opportunity to, to 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 score and of course if we could have that for more minutes that would be great but yes the only explanation if there is one uh, is that that they, their physical perhaps is not uh, on the rhythm of the Argentine football the same excuse you could give uh, for I, I just I can't believe that he doesn't think that uh, that Quintero is even capable of getting through a half though playing for the first half which is when River are most struggling to get into the game and to stamp their mark on the match see whether you can get a goal or two in that time thanks to him being on the pitch and then okay sure then you have to work out what to do to replace him but to start the game if he's not going to last the 90 minutes then at least have him on for as long as he can last rather than turning him on for half an hour and, and when River have already you know, fallen behind and got themselves yes. into this rut of thinking, oh no, we can't do this now, and and you know, being so self-defeating. I think Achardo is is behaving like he like if the team weren't the most important thing weren't the results. Of course, the play and the way you you try to build a reliable team is as important as the results. But when you are not lo- not winning, uh, well, I don't know. They won against Olimpo, but then they had lost seven out of nine or eight, or eight matches. Uh, you have to try to you, you must try to to do what is best at mm. least in a particular moment to, to get a, a, a win against a team like Chacarita which of course against River not didn't play very bad but they show they are limited team. yeah and and I mean the other thing is that you say that that he's managing them as if they're a team who for whom the most important thing is not the result but he's not exactly managing them as if they're a team for whom the most important thing is the performance either, is he? Yes. Because neither of the two things are coming at the moment for River. Yes. Um, and, yeah, it, it just seems... It's very frustrating. It, it, it was Nacho Fernandez's best performance in a long time for River, I thought. Not That's a very high bar to clear. Part, but, yes. um, but that's a but that was about the only positive, really, that, that we could find for River. We are still waiting for Rojas, who, and that's another point, because... Uh, of course, of course. Well, Moreira is still not playing because of the injury, mm. and now he has been he has started to to uh, be regular to make regular football in the in the training 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 sessions. But Rojas, for example, uh, got injured when he were he was doing the the, the pre match movements a uh, five matches ago, I think. Mm. It's a, it's a long time. First match of the of the year, wasn't it? After the summer. And uh, against Rakan, you mean? Yeah, could be. I think so. Um, but yeah, it's it's all of this anyway. Um, Racing Vélez ended two one to Racing. It was a very entertaining game, and I think at this stage that Racing and probably Lautaro Martinez's agent must be giving Jorge Sampaoli money to come and watch them every week um, yes. because Lautaro Martinez scored again four minutes into the match with a really nice glancing header from a corner and with Sam Pauli watching from the stands. Um, Again. Just as he's about to decide, don't forget, which locally based players are going to be added to the Argentina squad for the upcoming friendlies. We'll be going into the foreign based players um, a little bit later. Um, yes, clearly... The uh, second goal, sorry. Go on. Clearly against... I, I know which is the first of the friendlies against Spain or Italy. Oh, I can't remember. They're against Spain well, and Italy, but I can't remember in which order. Could be, well, uh, we, let's say that Spain is the first match. Well, uh, Iguain starts that match, and at the 
fifth minute or sixtieth minute, uh, Iguain goes out to be replaced by Lautaro Martinez. I imagine that, uh, which is, is obvious perhaps at this point. Mm. Uh, but yes, uh, he, he I think he will be there as somebody has been watching him in in, in uh, two matches in a row with uh, great performances in both in both matches, and he had already uh, went to see him or to watch him in another match in which he scored three, uh, the same as uh, against Godicruz, no, Godicruz, no, um, uh, Huracan, I think, yes. in the 5-0, no. 4-0, um, was it 5-1 or something, he, he scored a hat-trick anyway. Well, he, he scored two hat-tricks, and in both, Sampoli was, was there, yeah. which is uh, it's not a, a detail, it's a big detail. It is, indeed. Uh, Ricardo Centurion got the other one. Um, which was it was yeah it was it was the four 0 against Oracan. Um Got the other one midway through the second half um, after Mauro Sarate had temporarily levelled things up for Belles, but overall, don't think that there was, uh, there was some really fight in there with four red cards. Yeah, there, to, there were to each team. a hilarious couple of red cards when yes. Lisandro Lopez and I think it was Hernande La Fuente. Um, both got sent off yes. for yeah it was um, for clashing and there was a foot kicked out or something or other it was a bit difficult to see what Lissandro's red card was actually for the referee wasn't very clear yes it, there was a, like a kick there and then De La Fuente insulted uh, uh, Lissandro Lopez and there was like a, a t-shirt grabbing but yes no not very uh, not something you could understand easily yeah, after that, with five minutes to go, Brian Kufre got sent off um, for, I thought that one was, I can't remember it now, but I remember thinking at the time that it was fair enough. Uh, and then Leon, Leonardo Sigali got, again, somewhat confusingly sent off um, for yes. something but that didn't work. Anyway, like even with, with the, the red cards that are... Uh, oh, like I remember what, um, sorry, I remember what Kufre's was for. He, he, he hit, I think it was Centurion from behind with his fist sort of on I the think back was and Centurion went down uh, Sarabia quite right, yeah. went down clutching his face as if he'd been hit in the face yeah. which he hadn't so from that point of view it was faking and Sarabia should have been booked as well but I mean Kufre hit him so in, anyway even when with the red cards that are, weren't very fair um, I think that the Belles uh, kids especially the kids were with so much enthusiasm that the, that war was uh, uh, perhaps too much that mm. uh, against River it was it worked well because River was a team with not very enthusiasm, <laughs> not a lot of enthusiasm, and, and that was uh, good for them to win that match. But against yeah. Racing, a team that is energetic as uh, as we have been mentioning, because Pudet, Pudet uh, 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 gives that to the team. In this case, it wasn't uh, uh, great. No, it was not. Um, the other one of the big five who we haven't yet talked about are Independiente who got a 4-0 win over San Martin on Monday evening I'm really hoping that you saw some of this one because I missed all of it yes I, okay. I, I missed it too that is a shame but the goals one thing that I always like to look at and which regular long term listeners would have heard me say before is that I always think it's a good sign of a team functioning well together when you get four goals or five goals scored by four or five different players and that was what happened for Independiente uh, Martin Benitez opened the scoring Fabricio Bustos the young right back who might possibly be in the running for a World Cup call up um, got the second Leonardo Fernandez scored the third and Brian Romero got the fourth for Independiente um, this came 
days after uh, a very frustrating performance for Independiente in the Copa Libertadores away to Deportivo Lara where Lara and uh, the Venezuelan side got a 1-0 um, lead 10 minutes in can't remember the name of the goal scorer but it was a nice finish um, at the far post volley Sierra wasn't it? Sierra well done yes Sierra Lopez or something yes. like that yeah um and were able to to hang on largely thanks to Independiente having about 20 or 25 shots and only managing about three on target. Uh, San Martin, unfortunately, seemed to have Independiente's anger taken out on them. Um, not helped, perhaps, by Jonathan Goitia um, getting sent off, but by the time he did that, Independiente were already 3-0 up anyway. So, it was, you know... If you, if you could share the goals through the matches, it would have been good for Independiente to score two against Lara and two yeah. against San Martin. It would. But it's impossible. That's not the way it goes, unfortunately, for Independiente. Um, but an impressive uh, performance. And interesting that, interestingly, with possibly the exception of Jonas Gutierrez, um, they played, by and large, of something pretty close to their first choice 11 um, away to San Martin. Um, so they weren't rotating after being all the way up in Venezuela on Thursday night. Yes. Um, so that one was, was an interesting call. Rosario Central against Godoy Cruz I thought was a pretty good game. Yes, I also couldn't catch very much of that, but uh, um, it was, I think, controlled by, by Godoy Cruz mm. with another goal by whom? By Garro. Yes. Juan Garro opened the scoring and obviously Santiago, uh, sorry, Paul Fernandez, not obviously, uh, set up by Garro, if I remember rightly, scored the second to put Godoy Cruz 2-0 up against a central side who, as I said, hadn't conceded for four and a half games before that opener um, at home and who'd won their previous four home games in a row. Um, for Central, it was really weird to sort of see the way that, especially after, you know, I think the previous home game had been that 5-0 against... Um, Olimpo with Andres Lioi scoring uh, a hat-trick and they just never got into the races. It was like watching Godoy Cruz when Godoy Cruz were at home. They were high tempo, they were pushing high up, they were playing using the full width of the pitch, um, direct running and just looked like a very impressive side and I think the early goal possibly helped, the early-ish goal possibly helped them on their way um, and, and helped them to gain some confidence but it's just it was really bizarre to think this is a team who have had a complete mental block playing away from home all season. And the week after they lose at home for the first time, they then go and win for only the second time away. Yes. Um, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a good game. But it was a bit weird and it, it, it's making me a bit confused. I'm, I'm never quite sure sort of what to make of it when, when there's that kind of transformation against society. But looking at their home record, are obviously capable of good football. It's strange because they are not at a continental competition, right? at this point and they are playing with the same team or most of the same team every match and Rosario Central is still uh, Fernandez relying, relying, relying on the kids right uh, with the mostly same team yeah. the past matches Jeremias Ledesma in goal Paolo Ferrari Fernando Tobio Mauricio Martinez and Alfonso Parot in defence and then in midfield of Andres Leoy Maxi Gonzalez Federico Carrizo uh, Lope, Joel Lopez Pisano and Marco Ruben and Fernando San Pedri up front so it's, it's by and large a full strength side for Central as you say putting his faith in those um, in, in the youngsters particularly Leoy uh, Lopez Pisano yes um, Pastor Lovera uh, was missing but they almost uh, yeah. the same yes exactly um, 
So yeah, it, it was a it was a, a strange one. Another surprising result. As was, we're going to give Arsenal some time here. We're going to have to because they've won a game. It's only the. Let's have a look here at the standings. It's easy enough to fight them because they're bottom. It's the second match they've won all season. Um, Arsenal, this Arundi, they were two nil up against Lanús at half time. And I have to admit, to well, I confess, to, to having missed the game because I was on the way to the pub during the first half and in the pub during the second half um, playing pool rather than watching football. Um, but I wandered through to the bar and saw the half-time score and, and got on my phone and you tweeted. You thought it was wrong. There's, well, it, I did wonder initially. Um, but I, I, I tweeted that I know that Lanús have you know, been off form for some time now, but there is being a bit off form and then there's being 2-0 down to Arsenal at half-time. Um, and as it transpired, they weren't even good enough to overturn that deficit against Arsenal. Alejandro Silva pulled one back from a penalty um, ten minutes into the second half, and that was all they could do. So Arsenal, this are indeed something that is again. not good for River. Also, is that uh, the match after they lost, they they defeat River, they lost the, the team that defeat River, mm. and the following match they lost, or if not the following this. The sec the following or the following, but uh, they don't win four matches in a row after winning after defeating River. That is something that gives a measure of how River is also. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's have a quick look at those. So, Lanús' last win was that one 0 against River. That was the their first win in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine matches, um, and since then they have recorded two defeats and one draw. The defeats away to Racing and Arsenal and the draw at home to Central. So it doesn't look very good, does it? From either Rivers or Lanus' point of view, really. Um, but well done, Arsenal. You're, you're going down anyway, um, <laughs> for sure. Will be but the first time they, they are relegated. From the top flight. From the top flight, yes. Because they have been relegated before in the lower divisions. It's just not something that any Argentines talk about for some reason. Oh, that's a nice goal. We're watching Copa Sudamericana whilst recording. Um, we're waiting later on for the Lanús game, but General Diaz have just gone 1-0 up against Barcelona de Ecuador in Paraguay uh, three minutes into the second half with a really, really, really good free kick. Um, other results... How long have we been recording? Yeah, 40-ish minutes. So before we wrap up, well done as well to Sebastián Rivas, who got scored two headers to drag Patronato back from 2-0 down away to Belgrano and make it 2-2 at full time. Finally, he's up to ahead of, of uh, Benedetto in the goal scorer's table. Yeah, he started that match dead level with Dario Benedetto. So Dario Benedetto has been injured for... Is it round 10 he got injured? Could be two months. 11, something like that. Let's, uh, Let's have a look at Boca's list of uh, before because I would assume he was ever present beforehand. So let's just see how many games he played. Dario Benedetto has made nine appearances for Boca Juniors this season, and we're now into the 18th round, and it's taken this long for somebody to outscore him, which is pretty impressive as well. So well done, Dario Benedetto, for hanging on for this long, and well done, Sebastián Rivas, for overtaking him. Um, and now we're going to take a half-time break and when we come back we'll discuss uh, Jorge Sampaoli's what was I going to say Argentina squad not quite the full Argentina squad for those upcoming friendlies and we will answer some listeners questions don't go away
upcoming friendlies. Argentina. They have got two coming up in a couple of weeks. They are going to be played in Manchester against Italy on the 23rd of March. Presumably Italy can't play in Italy because it's too scandalous and they'd be booed off the pitch. And against Spain in Madrid on the 27th of March. So it's Italy first and then Spain. Um, Jorge Sampaoli last Thursday, so the day after we recorded, as we mentioned in fact during last week's recording, put out a list of 22 players who are playing in the exterior or the exterior because it's a Spanish word meaning yes. outside Argentina abroad. Um, abroad thank you yes that's the, the proper word for it because of course it couldn't just be outside Argentina if you were in Colombia and you said exterior you'd be talking yes. about outside Colombia and so forth um, all but one of them play in Europe and there will be some more added in from the domestic league at an unspecified later date but presumably quite soon I don't know when it's going to be, but it can't be very much longer, surely. Uh, Paolo Di Bella and Mauro Icardi are not in this list, which is interesting. Icardi apparently is out of the running. I'm going to combine this with a story that um, La Nación put on their website a couple of days ago uh, involving a traffic light system of who is definitely in, out, and on the cusp of Argentina's World Cup squad. But for now, the squad for these friendlies is as follows. Um, in goal, it will be a... Battle Royale between Sergio Romero of Manchester United, Noel Guzman of Tigres in Mexico, the only non-European-based player on this list, and Willy Caballero of Chelsea, who will be playing, of course, in his old club ground, because he's playing at the Etihad Stadium. There's a problem with Willy Caballero that uh, he doesn't play very much, right? Like Sergio Romero, his place... I've seen him playing a couple, but I think he's playing cups, cups mostly, yeah. So I think that uh, Will Kasher will be, I think, fighting for a place with uh, Franco Armani, who is most for sure playing more than Kasher. Well, Perhaps in the last match wasn't so uh, great in his well the goal that he conceded or River conceded against Chacorita. Uh, perhaps he didn't do that uh, the best or uh, the way he had been playing uh, at, to that match but uh, it will be a fight there because Cavachero uh, uh, isn't playing very much and, and Armani is but this, this so. is an interesting one because in this La Nación article that I mentioned it's not really an article it's an infographic um, they have Armani listed as one of those who San Paolo is no longer considering which I find quite interesting because he's with the exception of Quintero he, he's just about the only River player who hasn't completely embarrassed himself so far this year yes. um, and it was you know there were quite a lot of people saying when he first signed for River that this was you know really good for Argentina and he was going to provide competition and so on so having not really made any mistakes so far this year he apparently is no longer in San Paoli's yes. plans let's say one, let's say that Armani could even be the main goalkeeper as as Romero isn't yeah uh, playing very much and Guzman well we don't see we don't watch Guzman very often because he's playing in Mexico and unless uh, the uh, main match of Mexico uh, Mexican League is uh, Tigres we don't watch him very much but I think it's uh, at this point it's not clear or well in the although sorry to interrupt you but there will be a chance to watch him tonight oh. Right. Because uh, Toronto versus Tigres in the CONCACAF Champions League is on. 
on my television at half past one in the morning. I was that, that was the game I really wanted to see. So actually, I'm going to interrupt you and set my um, television to switch over to this automatically when it happens. Okay. Because I have a couple of MLS um, people on my Twitter who have suggested to me that Toronto are playing really good stuff at the moment, and that should be a really good tie. But of, of, of the three goalkeepers that are being called up right now, Guzman is the one that the only one that is perhaps playing more regularly mm. or more more usually. Yeah. It's a weird situation. Uh, in defence, talking of people who aren't playing very regularly, Marcos Rojo of Manchester United is on the list, as is Ramiro Funes Mori. Obviously, both of those players are coming off fairly lengthy injuries, so Sampaoli obviously wants to have a look at them before the World Cup squad is named. Federico Facio of Roma, uh, Nicolás Otamendi of Manchester City, Marcos Acuña of Sporting Club de Portugal, Eduardo Salvio of Benfica. I know what you're thinking, listeners. I'm aware that he's not a defender. Andres is aware that he's not a defender. Neither Acuna. Jorge Sampaoli. Well, Acuna played at left-back a bit earlier in his career, at least, and, and he's played at left-back for Argentina. Jorge Sampaoli presumably is not aware that Eduardo Salvio is not a defender because he's named him as one for this squad. Nicolás Tagliafico of Ajax and Gabriel Mercado of Sevilla are the defenders. Um, the midfielders, and another one here, which is an interesting choice of position to name him in. Javier Mascherano is listed again as a midfielder and has given an interview today saying he wants to play number five if he plays for Argentina. And uh, he's playing that position at FA Fortune, which is not a very... It's not quite the level that he's going to need, yes, is it? Yes, of course. Um, so it's an interesting one because A, he's now playing in China and he's still in the national team and B, not only that, but he's apparently been moved back to the position that he hasn't actually played on, played in at an elite level for about five or six years now, and that's what he's going to be for Argentina. We shall see. The other midfielders are Leandro Paredes of Zenit St. Petersburg, Manuel Lancini of West Ham United, with I think his first call-up for the senior team, Giovanni Lochelso of Paris Saint-Germain, who presumably won't be playing defensive midfield, Lucas Biglia of AC Milan, Ever Banega of Sevilla, and Angel Di Maria of Paris Saint-Germain who is listed as a midfielder but obviously his role is much more fluid and that's less controversial and the forwards are the first three of these names will sound quite familiar Gonzalo Higuain of Juventus Lionel Messi of Barcelona and Sergio Aguero of Manchester City and the fourth is Diego Perotti of Roma who I think is more of a midfielder but I've not really seen Roma this season so who knows um, there are some interesting exclusions from this list As I say, Dybala is not in it. Icardi is not in it. Dybala's, I think, is is more controversial, given that Icardi didn't really offer very much when he played for Argentina before. But if Sampaoli has already decided that Dybala is going to be back up for Messi, and that's what he's happy with, if he were, one would assume that Dybala's got a good chance. If he were of Icardi, we could say that he came into the team when the team was not very good. Mm. Uh, of course, now you could, you could try, you could test... Argentinians in the World Cup, but when he, when Sampoli called Icardi was like a bomberman uh, or fire fighter. Yeah, uh, I mean he had to score three or four goals in in a team with a team that even with Messi in the field uh, wasn't that great. And now that the things are at ease, he's excluded. I don't say that Icardi should be in the World Cup, and uh, because well today when he has scored the goal and. Assisted Libala to score another one for the for uh, Juventus yeah. to qualify for the quarterfinals of the Champions League against Tottenham, and the, yes, he has done great after an injury even, uh, which is gives even more value. But 
uh, I say that Icardi was called up when uh, go go and score the goals, mm. but how? Yeah, no, to an extent I agree. I, I was really, really surprised though, given Icardi's way of playing at Inter and, and his movement and, and the amount that he likes to get involved, as well as just being on the sharp end of the attack. Um, I was surprised, I remember, by his first couple of games for Argentina by how little he did that after supposedly waiting for such a long time to get a call-up. Um, he just sort of stood around and hung around the six-yard box and yes. waited for things to come to him, which they didn't. I don't think he, he barely touched the ball on his debut. Um, so I, I sort of... I'm somewhere between the two camps, I guess. I, I'm not... It, it, it's a bizarre one. Um, but this list that La Nacion have of players who are definitely in for the World Cup involves a lot of the players whose names I've just read out. Gabriel Mercado, uh, Romero, Guzman, Otamendi, Rojo, Acuna, Facio, Salmio, Biglia, Banega, Di Maria, Mascherano, Messi, Aguero, Higuain. These are all players who are in the squad I just listed. Um, players who are still fighting for places. Dybala is one of them. Cavachero is one of them. Marquesin is the other goalkeeper um, in, in the... the the reckoning there um, and then Fabricio Bustos of Independiente Funet Mori who of course is in this squad as is Tagliafico and Perotti Emiliano Rigoni apparently don't know how much Russian football Jorge Sampaoli is watching I suspect he's not been watching very much at all in the last couple of months because I'm pretty but sure there they haven't have, been any they have, they have qualified I mean Senate with Rigoni with uh, yeah yeah they're in the, the uh, Europa League still they're playing tomorrow so presumably that's oh, what that's okay. based on Enzo Perez still who's not been very good at all for River this season but according to La Nación is still in the reckoning Leandro Paredes who's in this squad Manuel Lanzini who's in this squad and Lautaro Martinez who I think is going to go personally Um, they also clarify that Cristian Pavon and Giovanni Rochelso are like they've like they've got one foot on the plane let's say so they're, they're neither guaranteed nor fighting for one at the moment they're, they're pretty much going to go but it's not completely assured and then the ones who are completely out of San Paoli's plans apparently are Franco Armani as I said Emmanuel Mamana, Angel Correa Matias Kranemiter Alejandro Gomez which is a bit more surprising because he's been involved relatively recently and played quite well yes. um, and Mauro Icardi Interesting names. And we'll there, see whether they change between now and then the squad naming. But there are some that Sambuli uh, has called when he at the the tour they made when he first uh, uh, well when he he uh, was assumed as, as, as the as the coach. Like for example, Correa, the other Correa, the Jonathan Correa, yeah, that is played in has, he is playing in Sevilla, not the the one place at Atletico de Madrid. Uh, well, but he has called, has been called up only for one tour. Uh, yeah, same as Nacho Fernandez. Well, he's also. And this this is I guess it's an occupational hazard when if you're San Paoli and you don't have very much time to. You know, all, pretty much all of his matches so far have been competitive, apart from that very first couple against Brazil and um, Singapore. Singapore or Hong Kong or somebody um, really early on. Um, when he he was still at Sevilla when the squad was named, but it, it had his sort of rubber stamp on it, as it were. Um, so these are really the first friendlies that he's had after having a good look at everybody. And until now, it's it's been results, 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 and, and enormous amounts of stress and a team who weren't performing well and everything. Um, and so he doesn't have really any margin of error 
or very much time to try out other players who we might be thinking of. The other thing I keep reminding people on Twitter is Sampaoli's contract runs through to the end of the 2022 World Cup. So some of the players, and I'm looking particularly, I think, at, at Bustos, probably at Lautaro Martinez, which is probably why he's jumped, seems to have jumped above Icardi in the pecking order. Um, you know, some of these players are, are much more likely to be ready for 2022. Yes. And maybe he's got one eye on that, thinking, you know, if Argentina reached the quarterfinals this year, then Sampaoli probably isn't going to be out of a job and he's going to have started to bring some of these players through and, and then he can start doing his work properly in the next cycle. Obviously, there is an element to that of saying, oh, I'm not going to win the World Cup this year. I'm sure he's also tried to build a, a squad that he feels can, can do well at the World Cup this year. Um, but it's a it's a, an interesting balancing act. I say interesting because, of course, I'm not Argentine. Yes. Um, it's a balancing act I'm, I'm, I'm finding quite interesting to watch. But... Uh, it's it's also there's a little bit of like really this guy's not in the reckoning at all or this this guy completely is in, in the case of Mascherano in particular for me I think I also imagine as a joke obviously not as something that will happen uh, for example Kevin, um, Carlos Margarita as the sports secretary mm-hmm. uh, meeting with somebody and telling him hey you're watching for players for 2022 have you watched my sons playing against Boca, well, <laughs> taking them into account. Yeah, indeed, as you say, as, as a government minister, um, with that influence. Uh, the other thing to discuss quickly is the Copa Argentina draw, which was made the other day. And we've got the, these are the 32ths of final, which is to say the last 64. Um, I won't go through all of them, but we will pick out a couple of the the, the juicier, well not a couple, a few of the juicier um, looking ties, i.e. the ones with big name teams in them. River Plate plays Central Norte, who I'm guessing a Cordobes. Salta. Oh, okay. Yes. Very good. Um, we have Racing against Sarmiento de Chaco. Lanús are playing Douglas Haig. That's an Sonasur derby, isn't it? No, it's more in the it's province. It's a more in the interior. It's oh, okay. oh, yes, it's a few hundred kilometers out, isn't it? Yeah. I'm being silly. Or I get Buenos Aires places mixed up. Independiente playing Central Balester, I think. Boca Juniors are playing Alvarado. Um, God, they're all in the same half of the draw, those ones. So that would be a semi-final between River and Boca, yes. not a final. Yes. Interesting. I'd always until now well until now they've always been kept in opposite halves so that's that's an interesting development uh, Rosario Central in the other half of the draw have Juventud Antoniana Tacheres will play Midland um, Argentinos play play a qualifying team from the Federal B which hasn't been decided yet San Lorenzo play Racing de Córdoba uh-huh. <laughs> there we are thought I'd get you on the edge of your seat for a second there Estudiantes de la Plata play Central Córdoba de Rosario who are probably, to non-Argentines, the most confusingly named team um, in the country. Uh, they're, they're named after a railway line, in much the same way as lots of very old English and Argentine sides are, in much the same way, in fact, as Rosario Central themselves are. Um, and, yeah, it, it's the central Cordoba, the, the central line across the centre of Argentina to Cordoba, so it's known as the Central Cordoba, but they are a Rosario club. Um, and Huracan, just to pick another... Primeras uh, Superliga side at random are playing Victoriano Arenas, who I've heard of before, but only in the sense of ri- rounding up lower division sides with funny names. 
Or I heard it that Central Norte will try to make Riquelme play against River. Oh, yeah, I read that. Sounds hilarious, but what? Sounds like a good publicity stunt, and I suspect, with River's defence in its current state, that Riquelme would cause them yes. some problems. So. And, and if he plays against Central Norte, I we could perfectly word, uh, read an Ole piece saying that Riquelme could play in the World Cup, mm. since they have already <laughs> have said that Gago is out of the World Cup as if he had already been in yeah. and if Tevez deserves to be in the World Cup again, uh, uh, making a, 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 a poll between Tevez and Lautaro so uh, that could be Indeed We will move on to listeners' questions Lawrence Hart was first in um, He says Going forward what would you prefer what would you prefer old style Apertura Clausura opening and closing championships or one annual one. Lawrence, you need to listen to the podcast more. You know what I would prefer. I would prefer one proper one championship per season and for it to be done in a proper manner, which is to say everybody plays everybody else home and away. None of this 27 matches in the space of 10 months ridiculousness that we have at the moment. Andres, what do you prefer? Yes, I know. Uh, much more than, than Clausura, Apertura, Transición... Uh, final, inicial, no, it's. I mean, Clausura and Apertura would still be preferable to what we have at the moment because under the Clausura and Apertura we did at least have 38 games a season, and at the moment it doesn't feel like there's enough football on. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would much prefer a, a, a European style in inverted commas season. In fact, we, we will have another transition, or, or, or finally it was. Yeah, uh, we will. Yes. Because yeah, they're definitely it might may or may not turn out to be the end of this year because they haven't loaded on it yet, but it's going to happen at some point in the next couple of years. Gerontophile says, "Does a dromedary have one or two humps?" It's one. Very easy one to answer that. Uh, Nate Cubeta says, "Which Avellaneda star is going to go on to greater success, Ezequiel Barco or Lautaro Martinez?" Another easy one, I think that. You think Lautaro Martinez? Yes, as. as of course, we will. We, he has still a way to go, but uh, uh, the, the the if things goes by like like they, they are going now, uh, he will play in Europe. Just the champ the Europe uh, from Racing. Of course, he won't be in the starting lineup of Inter the first match of the following season. Yeah, see, that's the thing which I think is going to make it interesting because Barco no. is is going to be completely key for Atlanta United this season. Yes. Uh, and I think that that could help his, his development. And the other thing is, of course, that Martinez is, is two and a half years, I think, at least two years, I think two and a half years older. Oh, yes. Um, I, I think that in five or six years' time, they're, they're both going to be national team regulars, personally. I, I think that Barco is going to stay in Atlanta for for maybe two or three years and then he'll move to Europe and I, I think he's going to be they lost the other day against well. Houston Dynamo oh really for Neil, I think oh wow and Almiron Miguel Almiron the one who played for Lanús mm-hmm. uh, missed a penalty wow ok so that's that's the, an early blow to my prediction but I'm going to stick by it anyway long term I, I think that they're both going to do yes. fantastically um, yeah Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says uh, he's tweeted us in the um, results of a poll on Quintero, he says, unsurprisingly, it's a landslide result. What does he have to do to start? The poll in question uh, is from a River Plate fan page. What it doesn't say is how many people have voted in this. Might only be four people, but it's not four people because the mathematics don't work out. It could be as few as a couple of hundred. Um, 
96% are saying that Quintero should be a starter and 4% are saying that he should not be. I didn't see the poll. If I had done, I would have voted yes as well. He should be a starter. Uh, what does he have to do to start? I don't know. <laughs> Possibly get a new manager. Maybe. Um, Liam also has volunteered to do mystical predictions, which, yes, he has tweeted in. Thank you very much for that, Liam. We'll see you in a couple of minutes for those. Paul Richardson says, Surely now Gachado is under pressure. I did ask last week whether fans have started to turn. Indeed you did, Paul. And Andres has something interesting to say on that, which he mentioned... On a, uh, he stresses a very unofficial basis before we started recording. Yes, I listened to from I listened to it from first from uh, Juan Cortez, the one who covers River uh, for these sports, the, the well the sports channel, saying that his limit is the match against Boca for a week. Uh, that means that losing against Patronato and losing against Boca will virtually put him out of the team uh, himself because uh, no one will will sack him but providing the, the, re- the response of the players that are actually are are, are uh, playing for River um, I think that he will uh, finally he will finally resign if they wo- if, if River wo- uh, loses both matches uh, it's of course unofficial and they have I, I don't know what, what will what will happen like you asked if River defeats Patronato but loses against Boca um, I don't know but uh, that's something important because it or will be shocking as Gachardo uh, well, won a lot of titles and uh, uh, he has already signed the contract that ends with Donofrios also mm. uh, 2021 but well that's the unofficial uh, information so given that this might have happened by the time we next record yes who would you go for at the moment to replace him I think the only one is I, I, the one I don't like very much personally but Ramon Diaz who has already been sacked from uh, Ali Lali's it's the team I can't remember well from the Arabs Emirates mm. Uh, or Arabia Saudita, Arabia Saudita, Saudi Arabia is the, the team. Saudi the Arabia, yeah. Country, not Emirates. Sorry, uh, sorry if there is someone from Saudi Arabia listening. And, uh, has been sacked because of a problem with the members of the team and the directors. That's something that he has already had problems like that in River, San Lorenzo. Uh, but I think if Gallardo finally is out of the team, there is no other one. I think. Yeah, and I, I'm interested that you go for Diaz rather than somebody younger. But then, I mean, I would guess yes. I, I'd love, for instance, uh, the, the part of me that uh, sticks up for River. I'd, I'd love Chacho Cordet, uh, yes, but he's just joined Racing, so it's kind of difficult to to get him in and and so on. But um, for the moment, the River is going through. Uh, it's not a bad idea. A, a coach with ex- experience, because it's not easy to try to convince players that are playing this way uh, no that's true that they are good yeah uh, Paul Richardson simp- oh sorry uh, Yusuf Amin um, says Lautaro Martinez do you think he can work with Leo Messi yeah yes. yeah that's perhaps I'm sure, because I'm sure he, he'd love to he has already said that uh, an interview with Ole that he will score a lot of goals with Messi which with Messi scores goals I think that you and me will, will yeah. score goals I'm sure we would. And if he's good, like Lautaro Martinez, well, we could imagine. Absolutely. Uh, Paul Richardson um, simply says, those predictions, 
Uh, he's talking, of course, about our um, a face-off last week, which I will give you the slightly embarrassing results of uh, in a few minutes' time because of the fact that there were so many shock results. Um, and Carlos Palacios says, what, why do you think... This is an interesting one, actually. Why do you think Hector Cooper isn't considered a great Argentine coach by the Argentine sports press. I hardly ever hear them speak about him. Because he's done it all abroad. And he lost finals. And you, you said... Well, that as well, yeah. You, you know that how Argentinian media is with, the, with that. Yeah, if, if, if Valencia had managed to win one of those Champions League finals, then, then possibly they'd talk about it very differently. But I think that a lot of it... I mean, it's the same with Sam Paoli now. Yes. You hear a lot of Argentines just going, no, he's, he's an awful coach, he's a lie... He's uh, yes. overhyped and all the rest of it. When this is all because he he, he wants stuff outside Argentina and and yes. did very little inside Argentina. In some points, I I could compare him with uh, Bausa. Well, Bausa has already uh, been the coach of Argentina, but uh, for the moment that Argentina was, uh, if things give the team to Bausa right now, um, I I can I am convinced I am sure that the things will be different. Uh, because the moments are very uh, define a lot of the team, and when when Bosa was in, in charge, uh, the fear or, or the 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 feeling that Argentina could could get uh, could be out of the World Cup were were uh, big. Was uh, the, the, it wasn't sure that Argentina would qualify. At this point, it's very different, and any anyone could be better with. Uh, being, being already qualified, yeah, and and with a less less, less pressure on them, let's say. Yes. But yeah, I, I think ultimately it, it has most most of it is to do with the success that he's had outside Argentina, um, and the fact that he's been outside Argentina in Cooper's yes. case, particularly for such a long time now. But good question, Carlos. Thank you for sending it in. And please, listeners, feel free to send us questions by email, by Facebook, which I checked earlier just before we started recording. We didn't have any there. Um, that's facebook.com slash handofpod or of course by Twitter each week they're always welcome I'm going to play some mystical theme music now and when we come back you will hear the results of a very embarrassing mystical predict-off last week and a an entirely different one um, well the predictions for an entirely different one to come this week so don't go away Last weekend, uh, I beat Paul in the Mystical Predictor. I've just discovered 4-3 pathetic scores from both of us. Uh, we did say, I, I did say at the start, that uh, there were a lot of shock results at the weekend, and so it proved. Um, the predictions this week are provided by Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, and they go as follows. Liam says, Godoy Cruz against Arsenal is going to be a Godoy Cruz victory, and I agree with him. Gimnasia versus Banfield, Liam thinks is also a Gimnasia, uh, uh, also a home win, I should say. Um, I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Tacheres versus Atletico Tucumán, Liam reckons is a Tacheres win, and I would agree with him. Chacarita versus Racing, Liam thinks, thinks, thinks that that's an away win, so do I. Olimpo versus Colón, he's going for a draw. I'm going to go for a Colón win, just to mix things up a little bit. Boca versus Tigre, we're both going for Boca wins. Patronato versus River. Liam is going for a Patronato win. And with an eye on what Andres mentioned earlier, which is that the Supercopa is very much something that's taken seriously here, 
I'm going for a Patronato victory as well, which will pile the pressure onto Marcelo Gallardo, of course. Huracan against San Lorenzo. Liam is going for a draw. That's the Clásico, the neighbourhood Clásico, as it's known here. Um, I'm going to go for... Hmm. I mean, I'd be tempted normally in this fixture to go for a, an Huracan win, especially as they're at home, but they've, they've been really bad so far, so I'm going to go for a San Lorenzo win. Lanús against Estudiantes, Liam thinks, is an away win. I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Venice against Central, Liam also thinks is an away win. I'm also going to go for a draw there. Independiente versus Argentinos, Liam says draw. I think Independiente will win it. Defensa Justicia against Belgrano, Liam says that's a draw. And I think mm, Belgrano have improved a bit lately. They are in Sudamericana soon. They are. Aren't they? Are they? Yeah, I think you might be right. I'm going to go for a draw as well, agreeing with Liam. Union against Tempele, we're both going for home wins. And Newells versus San Martin. Uh, Liam says that that's a draw. I'm going to go for... I'm really sticking my neck out here because they're not very good, but I'm going to go for a Newells Old Boys victory in that one. Tastiest fixtures of this weekend? Uh, some, yeah. some matches that are really tight, like the one, the last one, Newells against San Martin, San Juan is... Both are not very Don't, don't good. watch that game. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to see anything on that fixture list that I'm really getting excited about this weekend, I must say. Well, Huracan San Lorenzo as a Clásico, yeah, be- of course. The, yeah. um, then Pantanato River will be interesting in order to watch also Boca Tigre, how they respond to the previous the previous week to the Supercopa Argentina, which is here uh, named as the one of the most uh, important matches in history of the Super Classico. Yes, the, uh, only the second time. I think you said this last week. You know, it's only the second time that um, the Boca River have played each other for a title um, in in the history of Argentine football. The first time was the nineteen seventy six. Seventy six. I think yes. Um, national Championship where they both happened to be playing each other. Was that the case? They, they just happened to be playing each other on the last round of the championship and it happened to be the decider, right? It wasn't like a tiebreaker or something. Yes, I don't think it, it was like like this time a, a single match to decide uh, it was a, 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 the final match or, or of a tournament or the nation, national or something like that. Yeah, uh, so on the one hand it's only a Super Cup, but on the other hand lots of people take Super Cups more seriously than I do. I realise that. And... Uh, this is a, a River Boca Super Cup, so it becomes something else entirely. But I, I agree that the Sudamericana semi final and the round of 16 of the Copa Libertadores, they both won by, by River, are far more important, far way more important than this. But the problem is that it's not very usual for River and Boca to win tournaments that made them play, to, they, they play themselves. Yeah. Uh, like, well, River de Copa Argentina and Boca, and Boca de, de Tournament or de Liga. Indeed. So, um, that match will probably have been played by the next time we record because as it's played next Wednesday, we will probably record, I imagine, on Thursday if you're able to do that, Andres. I think so. And if I can drag somebody else or, and slash or if I'm able to drag somebody else into it. Um, so, you will next hear us in your ears in about eight days' time if you're one of those people who normally gets on as soon as this is uploaded. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for listening to us for another week, and it's good night from Andres. Thank you. Good night. And from me, thank you, and good night. Got 
one full-time score to tell you about. Copa Sudamericana, second leg in Lima, finished Sporting Cristal 2, Lanús 1, which means that Lanús, rather in different form, goes on. But it also means that thanks to their 4-2 win in the first leg at home, they go through 5-3 on 5-4, sorry, on aggregate. 